that bass drops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you were one of our geeks in snakes using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to try to help by being with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsor this week, Native. Native brings the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Canada, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who, like me, I'm sure can't help but hold his loved ones a little closer tonight in light of the tragedy of uh, Kobe Bryant, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Yeah. Hello, Jeff. Hello, listeners. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. It, it's, it hit me harder. And as you were listening to this Monday, you've maybe had more time for it, but it hit me harder than I thought it would. And we talked about it a little before show. And I think it's just, this isn't how that is supposed to ha- like, he seemed uh, above like royalty. I think you mentioned some other, celebrities who had just freak accident style passings and it um it's hard and his daughter and their family my my heart and um thoughts go out to them it's uh so if i'm a little sadder today or flatter that is why it's a, a weird world and uh everything is fragile. yeah yeah we are recording this on the day of uh his tragic passing and um i happen to live very close to Calabasas. And this morning, my wife and I heard helicopters flying over. And then you hear that news. It's just, I don't know, it just feels very close to home. It's a strange thing being in Los Angeles. Uh, I took my kids to the park. We went to the grocery store everywhere, everywhere. People wearing Kobe Bryant jerseys and everybody talking about it. You walk by in the grocery store, people like, I can't believe I'm in mourning. It is a wild thing. It is um, sad. And, um, you know, we just Felt like we should acknowledge it here at the top of the show because it's something that we are just still processing ourselves. And I think it is one of those things where you just want to hold your loved ones close and understand that it's all fragile and it could all go away any any moment. So, you know, live every day and try to be good to each other. What's what's the saying? It's all chaos. Be kind. So let's let's try to live those words and also enjoy our time here and and in enjoying things, that's why we talk about video games, because it's a, it's a place of joy. It's a hobby full of joy. And we have a lot to talk about this week in the joy category. Some interesting news coming up. Also, a bunch of games that we have been playing, including um, Journey to the Savage Planet, which is a, a game that I have been looking forward to for quite a long time. Uh, Christian and I both got early hands on with the final review copy of that. So, we got a lot to get to, but also we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for Delightful Literature for Children. Because we have gamer, Australian TV presenter, and children's book author, Stephanie Bendixson is back with us again. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was such a a great episode last time you were on, so we're thrilled to have you back. Uh, And uh, lots to get to this week, so let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do, with Story of the Week. 
Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Both of those ways, great ways to get a hold of us. Let us know what we should talk about, what you're interested in. But Stephanie, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh, for me, it's definitely all about Ninja Theory. Yeah. I I loved Hellblade, and I love Ninja Theory as a studio, and I've loved watching them kind of evolve with the different work that they're putting out. And I'm so excited for Project Mara and just to see a little glimpse of it and, you know, the way that they're diving deeper into aspects of mental health and the mind and seeing that kind of stuff explored through video games in that interactive way that creates an experience that's so different from any other. I think that's so exciting. Yeah, this is really a cool uh, announcement that Ninja Theory put out. They put out a, a video this week announcing Project Mara, as you referenced, uh, which is an upcoming, I don't even want to say game. It's an upcoming interactive experience that they're working on. It sounds like it's a, a couple of years away at, at minimum, but something they're working on in parallel with the sequel to Hellblade. Uh, and the, the, the video really explains a completely new approach that Ninja Theory is taking as a studio. And it sounds like much of this approach has been possible because of their new relationship as a Microsoft Studios first party. Uh, the the investment uh, in the, I guess, the, the sense of, um, uh, I guess, uh, confidence that they're, they're given in not having to worry about who, you know, who's going to publish their games has allowed them to really double down on this thing that, that you mentioned, this, this idea of creating games that are going to be a little bit more perhaps personal, a little bit more uh, trying to work and, and deal with things that are real, like mental health, as Senua's Sacrifice did. But I think they're even going deeper. It sounds like Project, Project Mara is going to be set in uh, the real world and not in a fantasy world and really try to deal with psychological terror is their term uh, and real sort of psychological issue, issues that people deal with every day. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you would hope for from something like this, uh, Stephanie, because I feel like on one hand, the the little teaser for Project Mara kind of made it seem like a really exciting, scary horror game. But on the other hand, you know, you want it to be real and kind of come away with an understanding of what people might be going through. And I feel like that might be a bit of a tightrope to walk. So what is your hope for this project? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a delicate balance. I think um, I think Hellblade walked that balance really well. There were elements of, of horror in there as well. It has to be a game that's sort of entertaining and exciting for people, as well as delivering this kind of unique experience that makes you question things about the way you think and the way people in general think and how we view mental health and how that can be applied, I suppose, to art in many ways. Um, but I guess it's hard to say what, I ex what I'm hoping for without 
with so little information to go on to start with. But I think what's so great is that Ninja Theory uh, are so wonderful about involving people in the process, you know, to a point, obviously they have to be protective of their work, but, you know, Hellblade's success, apart from it being an incredible game, was largely attributed to those incredible uh, developer diaries that they put out, which was very much a a guerrilla marketing push from them because they didn't have a big uh, marketing budget. So they just made these, you know, developer videos inviting fans to kind of – have a little window into what they're working on and, and why they're trying to do things a little bit differently and how there is a small team that's sort of focused on um, creating a unique experience. And that was just, it, it made you so excited for the, you felt like you'd gone on a journey before the game even started with these developers. And, and so I'm hoping that there'll be a little bit of that too with Project Mara and that we'll get to see a little bit of that process as well that can get us excited about a, a, an experience that's so unique. Yeah, it's, it certainly sounds like that's one of the purposes of this this reveal was to, <clears throat> you know, they're talking about Project Insight, which is the sort of global initiative of trying to create games and interactive experiences that have more of a meaning for people's lives and try to innovate both game technology and and actual products that can push the boundaries of what video games can do. And of course, those a lot of those are buzzwords and, and lofty hopes and dreams and they even describe it in the video as being a, a moonshot you know something that that is uh you know you're really shooting for the stars but i laud them for that i think that's a great goal to set and it certainly feels like they're going to be open about this in, in the ways that you're you're talking about uh christian i'm i'm curious what you think about this i mean part of what they're talking about is that based on the success of uh senua sacrifice coming from about a 20 person team that they're really making that the ninja theory, you know, raison d'etre. That's, that's, that's what they're going to define their studio as being as a bunch of small projects, a bunch of sort of large projects, but from small teams Uh, I guess the, the Hellblade sequel is about 40 people, but these other teams are going to be around in the 20 person range where most AAA games, you're you're talking hundreds of people, uh, but they're they're They believe that with, procedural tools and and AI that they can create AAA caliber stuff with these small teams that are more nimble and more able to take bigger risks. It seems pretty exciting to me. I, I wonder what you're taking. Yeah, it sounds like that's the ninja theory hypothesis, right? <laughs> like <laughs> the ninja theory. Yeah, hopefully ninja theory? the theory, the hypothesis will prove out. I mean, I, I think that they have shown, you know, the ability to do that before. So I think it's exciting to have them continue to embrace it and not well, I don't want to say not. Uh, uh, what I was going to say to finish thought is I say not just grow in size and take on something maybe too big um, for them to tackle. Because I've certainly seen examples of studios doing that too, right? I think in that instance, you'd call it rising to the occasion where it works out positively. It's like they get this influx of cash and they're allowed to do the thing they've always wanted to do. And the studio grows and they create this incredible game and it's so amazing. Um, but I, I think it's really interesting and cool to see um, Ninja Theory kind of taking the opposite approach to that is like, we're going to make more games, but we're not going to, you know, Ubisoft it where a thousand people work on our game and Ubisoft makes some incredible games. So I'm saying there's, you know, great ways to make great games. Um, and I hope it I hope it works out because right now it is it's a very cool idea. I think this developer di- diary um, just nerd out a little bit was very well done, <laughs> you know, like. It was great, it was, wasn't it? I was so, I was so, I was, I wanted to be in that yes. office. I was so drawn the, in. The office looked like real and worked in, but the audio quality was also clear. And then they like got up and they're walking around and it's like, they're still like in sharp folk. I mean, that's very nerdy production, but like 
really well done. <laughs> so I'm hoping they, yeah. you know, if they can bring that production quality into their game. And Hellblade was uh, really a great port on Switch. Also, like the studio is talented. The tools seem very flexible and nimble. And then when they showed a little bit of Project Mara in that video, at first I got very excited because it was like an office. And I was like, are these, is this in game? Look at this ray tracing. I, I think that's just like real footage of like a real office well you don't really know do you but it could I, be just i know i'm holding i'm holding out hope <laughs> well, it's one character one location yeah it could be like a just a super well rendered location you know it's like that's we're rendering one location but we're doing it perfectly yeah i mean so if if that's the tech demo for the series x you know i'm on board either way i'm on board and and i think they proved it with uh hellblade you know that they're able to handle this stuff with respect and it seems like they're doing it again here with project mara where you know there's one way to it's like crazy insane mind you know like words i don't particularly like uh describing mental illness and like you're never gonna believe what happens in this insane asylum and it's like you know (laughs) the horror trope or tropes for sure trying to handle it uh intelligently and i hope and it looks like they're taking that approach so i'm i'm very excited for it and i'm guessing we'll see it 2021 uh, maybe who knows I'm so, I'm so excited as well they've brought um melina jurgens back um who who was the the performer yeah. in um center with sacrifice you know she won the game award for best performance she got a bafta game award for best performer as well i think it's so cool that she's kind of become a muse for the studio now because she started out making those de- developer diaries for them she doesn't have an acting mm-hmm. background at all she was just shooting those dev diaries and then was kind of a stand-in and they were like do you want to do the whole thing yeah. you're pretty good at this that's awesome. fantastic <laughs> yeah i love hearing that uh and you know i something we've talked about on the show a lot uh, is, over the years is how interactivity and interactive digital experiences have an opportunity unlike any other medium to create empathy and to let you literally walk in someone's shoes you know you especially with vr you can feel the sense of walking in someone else's shoes you know uh you you go through the experiences as someone in a different you know with with a different mental state or or a, a different physical uh situation you come away with a better understanding and and i think that is a really exciting direction for a big game studio to go and it's a i think it's a really interesting goal to like create experiences that provide understanding and insight i mean it's called project insight right to create insight into different kinds of mental states different types of people's experiences but do it in a way that is mainstream and palatable to a large audience and and fun and interesting uh, i think that's a really cool mission statement for the studio and i'm excited to to see what they do and you know we talk about empathy especially as as i am someone who really enjoys vr and and promotes the the technology there's a lot of shots of vr in that little youtube video of the behind the scenes of their studio hellblade was ported to vr i think if they're serious about what they're talking about you know the the goal that they're talking about i think vr is probably going to be a big part of it which makes me even more excited so Kudos to them, and I'm I'm rooting for them, and I'm excited to see what Project Mara is all, all about. It'll be interesting to see if they market it as a game uh, when it finally comes out. All right, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? So by me saying it, 
out loud. I'm not the one jinxing it, Jeff. Do you understand? Uh, I hope that's true, but I. Well, no, it just, you're, it's not attributable to me. You're a pretty good jinxer. Nope. 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 So, Half Life Alex <laughs> is not going to be delayed. It's going to come out. What is it? April 1st or whatever it is. I'm it is co- throwing salt over my shoulder right now. My the, my is, little office is full of salt on the ground now. I've knocked on all the wood. <laughs> what else do I have to do? Spin around three times? I don't know. You have to wear all of your VR headsets and play a compatible game across all systems at the same time. <laughs> it's a Beat Saber probably. Um, yeah, Half-Life Alex not going to be delayed. This came out of a, a Valve AMA where they, there are other juicy juicy bits that we can get to. But they said about Half-Life Alex, it's finished. They're working on polishing and fixing bugs. There might be some tweaking on the final scene. I like but that. Lots of people it's totally are- finished. Except that final scene. We haven't really figured that final scene out. But definitely finished. The whole thing is hey. – fi- endings are hard. That, yeah, the Skywalker the Skywalker saga was finished before the last movie was written. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like <laughs> also the game's delayed. Uh, sorry, we didn't finish. The last. <laughs> uh, so they're working on tweaks. They said a lot of people at Valve have finished it, have played it. Play testers have played it. I feel like now they're rubbing salt in wounds is what they're doing. Like it's done. Everybody's played it. They love it. I bet you wish you could play it. It's so good. This is Fred. Fred's played it. Do you like it, Fred? Oh, it's really good. This is Tina. I loved it. Oh, <laughs> Tina loved it too. Don't worry, you can play it. It's not going to be delayed. <laughs> Tina's um, like, I loved it. The ending needs tweaking. <laughs> <laughs> that's why That's why she gets paid the big bucks. Yeah, that's why um, she's, that's, the game's being delayed. I will not believe this game is out until it's out, but I appreciate them saying that it's probably going to hit their its date. Every release date we've heard so far in all of 2020 is, has changed. So, you know. I, I, I feel like this is big, though, and maybe I'm the only one. I feel like this is big because Valve, like Blizzard before, is historically the company that would say it's going to be a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I feel like them laying it on the line. Maybe I'm alone in this, but I, I think I think they know what they're talking about this time. I hope you're right. Do you th- do you think this is this is the game to kind of push people towards VR? Do you think this will see a mass purchasing of VR headsets, or do you think I mean, it's not going to have the effect that they intended? Is it there? It's like sold out across the world already. Yeah, the like, index is worldwide sold out. So I think that that is. Really? I can't imagine that that would have happened without this game announcement. Um, but also, I you know, just anecdotally, as somebody that is very vocal about loving VR, I've gotten a huge uptick in tweets of people going, Hey, I jumped in. I'm, I got a quest. I got it because I'm excited about half-life Alex coming out. I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, it's not going to flip a switch and all of a sudden VR is super mainstream, but I do think it's going to move the needle. I think it's going to move the needle. Interesting. Uh, I yeah. also am excited that some of the other things coming out of this AMA were the fact that it evidently is around the same length as Half-Life 2. It's taking people about the same amount of time internally to complete the game. as it's because Half-Life the last 2. sequence is really long. <laughs> this is like nobody can figure out how to finish it. It's like they get to the very end. Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, the game is about the same length for people to complete, but also it's about the same amount of content as Half-Life 2. So that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, Stephanie... It sounds like you're a little more skeptical about this one. Is that fair? Well, I mean, I, I guess I'm still just, I'm very, I'm one of the on the fence VR people where I've tried to embrace it and just found it still very like claustrophobic. And I feel like the games that are doing super well are kind of the music rhythm games and things like that. I played, um, I played Blood and Truth and I quite enjoyed that. But um, 
even still, it's hard for me to see a game like this that's been so uh, widely anticipated for so long coming out on this platform and, and seeing everybody like and seeing that be the thing that that gets everyone buying VR headsets. But I mean, apparently the numbers are there, so we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be really <laughs> interesting to see it when it comes out. I mean, I, I really hope it lives up to the expectations, which I'm sure are absurdly high. Um, but if it, you know, if it's as good as valve games have been in the past, I, I really think it could drive a lot of people to, to purchase. And like I said, I've seen so many people just tweeting me and emailing me like, Hey, I finally dove into VR in anticipation of this game coming out. What are the games I should be playing now? So I don't know. That's just anecdotal, but you know, Mm. I'm excited. And Christian, I hope you just didn't completely ruin March by getting this game delayed. I say it's not me. It can't. It's Val- when Valve had, when they said it, it was from their their fingers, their keyboards to God's ears. Me <laughs> saying that they said it is not me saying it won't be delayed. There's a big difference. Uh, there's a bunch of other cool stories to talk about. Uh, I actually want to talk about one that technically was from last week, uh, but there was so much stuff going on last week that we didn't get to it. And and I mean it. It really is something that I find fascinating. This this hit last week, and it really is about even earlier than that, all of 2019 and even the decade, the NPDs, which are the the tracking service that reports on sales uh, most, it's it's a little misleading sometimes because uh, the NPD is is from a bygone era, really. It's when everybody used to buy things from retail stores, which is not the case now. And they've tried to update with some digital stuff, but it depends on who reports their digital sales. So yada, yada, yada. Long story Which short. Most people not giving full details right. because that is their precious data. So long story mm. short is this data can be a little skewed or a little kind of misleading perhaps. In But I, I think it is still of note and interesting to talk about. So the NPDs, you know, here we are almost at the end of January of 2020, but there was a report from the MPDs uh, last week or two weeks ago talking about the highest selling games that they tracked for all of the decade that started in 2010. So 2010 through 2019, excuse me one second. <coughs> uh, 2010 through 2019, the top 10 games that sold during that period, number of copies, money are as follows. Number one, Grand Theft Auto V. Surprising no one. That is a bohemoth. Number two, Call of Duty Black Ops. Number three, Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Number four, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Number five, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Number six, Call of Duty Ghosts. Number seven, Red Dead Redemption 2. Number eight, Call of Duty World War 2. Number nine, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Number 10, Minecraft. I was gobsmacked by this. Uh, You know, every year when Call of Duty is on the top of the pops for the MPDs or when, you you know, that's a mammoth franchise. Uh, You understand that that is a big selling, very popular franchise. But laying it out like this as the top selling games of the decade where it is, we have 10 games and seven of the 10 are Call of Duty games. And four of them are Black Ops. (laughs) <laughs> that is it's like 
Call of Duty is like the McDonald's of the game world. And I feel like it's like, because you forget about the people that don't consider themselves gamers play Call of Duty. You know, there are people who aren't participating in the wider kind of community and discourse around video games. And we're all very much in our sort of bubble, you know, following journalists and developers and stuff like that. And we're across everything that's being made. But when you think of like the population of Earth, it's like half of them are just playing Call of Duty. I guess. (laughs) I guess. I mean, I... I should know better than to be this shocked by this list, but my goodness, you know, we report on Activision and, and their moves and, and the things that they do. And you go, oh, well, you know, Activision seems like they're getting rid of all their games except Call of Duty. Of, well, who cares? Like, they, as long as they've got Call of Duty, who cares? I mean, obviously, at <laughs> some point, this gravy train is going to stop. But my goodness, the amount of money that that must represent over a 10-year period is, is boggles the mind. And, you know, the, these these are just uh, money in the bank. People line up to play them and they are huge hits. You know, you have Activision and then uh, Rockstar being just taking care of nine out of the ten spots of the top ten for a decade. Wow. I mean, I think to me what this <laughs> crazy is that um, we talk about the games that people are playing the most on this show. I mean, we have covered all of these. <laughs> Non-stop. <laughs> we are, we are terrible. Why? <laughs> Talk about a niche of a niche. We should be <clears throat> all right next week. All Call of Duty all the time, and with a little bit of GTA Five thrown in for good measure. Welcome to DLC, your discussion loving COD Black Ops. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. With our guest, Black Ops. SEO Black Ops. <laughs> I mean, I guess there isn't much else to talk about, but I just was so surprised by this that I I, I, I kind of feel embarrassed that I'm not surprised. But I think one thing to talk about it that is outside of this other stuff that we're talking about is Minecraft at number 10, because uh, in my Spystradamus lay it on the line prediction, you know, all credibility out there, the amount that it sells digitally dwarfs anything physical for Minecraft. Yeah, and so wherever right. they're getting their tracking data from for digital stuff, it is still a fraction of what that actually is. When you consider it's on iOS, it's on Android, Switch, I think only digitally on Switch, I think. Um, PC, <laughs> like where it started. Yeah. How many people, I mean, there probably is a box at Best Buy somewhere for Minecraft because it's that big of a game, but like this is a game that is digital and the numbers that it has put up they are, are continue to be astronomical. Um, You're not wrong. And when do we get that ray trace? That's that's a really good point. And, you know, <laughs> it it shows you just just how big of a game that is. And I guess it's to Stephanie's point too that you know these games, the fact that Call of Duty dominates this list for a decade, also points to the fact that a lot of the people who buy this game buy it at a store. You know that that this data yeah. is skewed to stores, and a lot of people who perhaps don't consider themselves uh, gamers or, or only buy one game a year, and that is the next Call of Duty, and they play it all year. Uh, maybe buy it at a store. So maybe this is, you know, this is a misleading list as I let it off. I don't by know. Saying I bet that. it's pretty good. Uh, you know, <laughs> I bet if you included digital sales, you might see some other games sneak in there, but I still bet it's a pretty safe bet that these games would be well represented in the top 50, if not yeah. higher. Oh my goodness. Uh, just to top this all off, they also released <clears throat> the, um, Top selling games, the top 10 for 2019 last year, all platforms. Uh, number one, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Number two, NBA 2K20. Number three, Madden NFL 20. Number four, Borderlands 3. Number five, 
Mortal Kombat 11. Number six, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Number seven, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Eight, Kingdom Hearts 3. Nine, The Division 2. And 10, Mario Kart 8. So I like some of those games. A lot of, a lot of good games mm. on that list. So interesting. <laughs> that was a little bit more diverse. That was <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just found that story crazy. Um, let's uh, wrap up the new segment with a, a story that just is a, a feel-good story. I kind of feel like uh, with the you know, sad news, we can use a little happy uh this one made me feel good and i like to highlight those uh this is the story of uh, a dad he took it upon himself to uh, change the xbox adaptive controller make a custom layout uh for his daughter to be able to play breath of the wild on switch uh this is rory Steele, the the head of digital jersey academy which is a tech academy in the uk uh, has created a custom controller that utilizes the Xbox adaptive controller to allow his daughter to play Zelda. Uh, his daughter suffers from uh, fine motor problems. And um, this is pretty amazing. If you watch the video, she's just delighted to be able to control Link running around the world. Her face was just a delight uh, to look at, uh, wasn't it? She was so Warms your stoked. heart. Warms your heart. And it, it, basically, the, the controller has two big uh, joysticks on it, a bunch of big, big buttons that she's able to push easily that she can define as, to, as certain actions. Um, so it's like a whole bunch of buttons are, are, that are around the periphery. Uh, but it sounds like um, he's going to be able to he, – he's released the design for this uh, for free to anybody that might find it useful. But it also sounds like he's been approached by Logitech and Microsoft to help create an official version of this that might be improved uh, using their engineering um, but it's just a wonderful thing, and it really reminds you. You know, we talk about a lot of stuff on the show. We mentioned the Xbox Adaptive Controller. Xbox Adaptive Controller was sort of a big part of E3, uh, you know, a year ago, not this last year, but previously. And it's something that's easy for shows like this and mainstream video game press to overlook because it isn't really something that maybe a lot of gamers that are reading those sites or watching those programs are interested in, but it, it affects a whole bunch of people's lives in really positive ways. And it is a, such a wonderful thing to Microsoft put a lot of resources into. Uh, and I'm just so impressed by it. Just... And to commit to going forward. Yeah. They've mentioned that the adaptive controller will work on series X, like all of the elite controllers as well and the current controllers. And I think that's great. There's no reason that this stuff needs to be obsolete each generation. Right. right? Yeah. It's so great. And I think, you know, living with a disability in, in some cases can be so isolating, but video games are, you know, they're a gateway to the world. It's so wonderful that, that you know, game companies are embracing this in such a great yeah. way. So check that out. If you haven't seen it, um, I think Channel 103 is, uh, is the site that originally posted the video, but you can find it online. Um, Rory Steele showing his daughter uh, for the first time, seeing her play breath of the wild it's just it's just delightful so all right let us move on now but first i want to thank our sponsor which is native native is the deodorant that i've been using uh i have been really enjoying it my wife also very much enjoying the the scent of native it has become the deodorant that i use every day and i really enjoy it the scents that they offer which is for me, the beginning and the end of the deodorant discussion is <laughs> like, how does it smell? Coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint. I don't even really understand that. But then I smelled them and I was like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand. This is delightful. And my wife is like, yeah, you smell awesome. 
Uh, I've been using the coconut and vanilla, which is their most popular scent, and the cucumber and mint, which uh, it's like, I don't, how do I smell like cucumber? What is even is that? Ugh, it's, it just smells fresh and clean. Uh, but that's not even really why people love native most. That's just me. Uh, most people love them, by the way. 8,000 five-star reviews. Today Show, Women's Health, L, Good Morning America. So many others uh, talk about Native being awesome. Most people love them because they're formulated without aluminum, parabens, or talc, and they're filled with ingredients found in nature, like coconut oil, shea butter, tapioca starch, things that are actually found in nature, not made in a test tube. There's no animal testing, and they have free shipping and returns natives mission statement is to create safe simple and effective products that people use in the bathroom every day uh and they they do it with trusted ingredients and trusted performance so you know don't take my word for it you can take the word of those five star reviews eight thousand of them uh you've got ingredients that you know there's fewer ingredients simpler ingredients uh and uh the smells are awesome and there's no risk to even give it a try they offer free returns and exchanges in the United States. You can subscribe to Native and save 17%. That's $2 per stick, which is pretty awesome. So check it out. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DLC during checkout. That's N-A-T-I-V-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, nativedeodorant.com and promo code DLC. Time to talk about the games that we have been playing, and boy, there are a bunch. Uh, let's start with you, Stephanie. What has been on your playlist this week? Uh, I am still playing Save Thieves. I don't oh. know if anybody else is like still playing that game. I mean, I'm in a, a pretty rich community of people that are that are playing it a lot. But I every time it's one of the first games as service um, titles that I've really gotten into and just played continuously as and like hung out for each new update. So I, I this um, is fascinating I'm, to me because. I love I love hearing about that. You hear about these games and they get updates and, and there's these big, you know, it feels like from my perspective as somebody that is all about the sort of newest, latest, best, and I'm popping between new things that come out. And we talk a lot about the, on the show about games that you're dating and games that you're married to. You know, there's games that come and go and then there's games you like keep coming back to over and over. And uh, mm. I, I think it's so cool to talk to somebody that is, has stuck with Sea of Thieves because that is one I bounced off of. I know Christian bounced off of it pretty quickly, but you hear about this very passionate community. So what is it about that game that made you stick with it? And what are you doing day to day? I mean, I understand hanging out with friends, but what are you, what are you doing when you log into a new session of CFDs? <laughs> I know it's crazy. And cause like I had the same reaction to you guys when I played it for the first time. Um, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. It didn't seem like there was a lot to do in the game. I think it looked pretty, but uh, beyond that, it was like a boat simulator right. mostly. Um, so I, I didn't really, I didn't really get what they were trying to convey with the game, but um, I just, it was around that time that I had, I, I had, um, found a really great group of online gaming friends, um, people, two guys that live in Perth who I'd never met and uh, another person who lived in um, Canada, lives in Canada, um, in, in BC. And we just were like struggling to find times when we could all play together. But for some reason, we all just really clicked on Sea of Thieves and we just really loved the 
the, I, I don't know, I guess there's games that I play when I want to feel stressed and excited. And there's games where I just really want to wind down and enjoy myself and have a chat to my right. friends and see if these is perfect for that, because it's, it's kind of like long stretches of sailing and us kind of chatting and fishing and cooking stuff. And then occasionally we'll get into this hardcore, you know, battle with other players or, you know, an event will happen. Um, I don't know if, if you're aware, but the game has had several updates that have added crazy things to it harpoons and fire grenades and all kinds of things that make the game a lot more um, hectic. Mm. But yeah, I think it's just, I think also too, because I've never really been particularly dexterous in, in my reaction time. So shooters and things like that in terms of multiplayer, I've never been particularly good at. I enjoy them and I love cooperative shooters. I love um, Borderlands and, and um, you know, I was big into Left 4 Dead back in the day, but you know, um, competitive shooters, um, you know, Call of Duty, anything like that. I've just never been particularly good at. So I feel like I was missing out on a huge kind of area of of online gaming with friends just because I felt like my skill level wasn't there. And Sea of Thieves, I think, um, kind of filled that hole for me because it was a really um, balanced world of, um, I guess, action and then just exploration that I could do with my friends. I love that. And I remember talking about it when it launched with people who had gotten really, really into it. One of the things that they talked about loving was that it felt like a, more like a pretext for role-playing where they would really get into the theme of, of living as a pirate. And then, you know, they, and then they'd encounter other people online who were doing the same and they, you know, they asked to board their ship and they would be all this, this formal talk back and forth and everybody would be taking the, the roles very seriously. And I found that to be really kind of a compelling idea. Is that, is that something you guys do or are you kind of more joking and not taking it seriously? I know a bit of both. And it's funny when you encounter people, you know, out in the ocean, cause you, it's, it, you know, you really have no idea whether, whether someone's going to be a friend or foe. People will literally shoot you on site and burn your ship down and steal all your stuff. Or sometimes you can kind of, it's sort of touch and go where you can kind of be like, look, if we do this together, we can help each other out. And, you know, we can get into an alliance with three other ships and it works out great. And then half the time you can alliance up with people and then they'll turn on you halfway through. (laughs) And so people really get into that kind of active piracy and betrayal and everyone out for themselves and, um, or, or, uh, contrarily, um, honor amongst thieves. So it's really great. But I think also that just the, the nature in which the game is so manual and that you have to, um, you know, pull the sails and turn the sails and, and raise and lower the anchor and, and, everyone is involved in getting this boat to where it needs to go. You really do get that sense of my role is really important and we all need to focus together to make this happen um, because of the rich rewards that we're all going to receive when we turn in our booty. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, and you're, you know, you're setting out to get a new cool masthead and a new, you know, is that what? Yeah, is, right. It's all, know, it's all just like, parrot? it's all cosmetic upgrades and stuff yeah. like that. Um, there's nothing really that you can get in the game that improves your performance. Um, I think once you do that, it, it becomes really muddy and murky and, and stuff like that. So, um, mm. but they've also introduced an arena now that's just like solely for PVP. If people want to go in there and, and do that kind of stuff, there's like um, um, pets and stuff like that as well. Now that you can have, it's, it's really cool. That's awesome. I love that you that you're still playing that. It's it's really cool. Um are, are you a nautical person by nature or is this a, a, a true No, not really. Game? I I did not like expect this to be the game that stuck with me for so long. It's just it just clicked with me in a certain way. And like I I've joined like online Facebook groups, like I'm sharing clips and wow. stuff. I've never actually gotten into the community around a game the way that I have with this one. It's funny. 
I bought I bought a hoodie with the logo on it. Like <laughs> you are in. Yeah, I I'm the I'm a big advocate for the game. I think it's great. That's great. You know, you you hear you know E3 presentations and stuff, and they you know the the lead developer comes out and talks about the new expansion, and you're like they're like, oh, you know, our community is so amazing and so vibrant, and oftentimes I feel very disconnected to that because there are so many games with so many communities that you never. I never really have insight into into those communities, but it's cool to hear somebody that's in it, man. I love it. That's really, really neat. Um, <laughs> anything else you've been playing? Uh, I've been playing um, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order as well. Um, yeah. I'm currently stuck on the bat. I, I want to say it's a bat owl hybrid, giant space bat owl hybrid. I think that's uh, accurate. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, yeah. It's sort of it I um after a sort of four hour play session, I got to that tried three times and was like, I need uh, fresh fresh eyes and fresh energy to tackle this boss fight. No, so. feel your anger. Let your anger turn to <laughs> hatred. I don't think you've learned anything from the Jedi. Oh no, <laughs> no that's, that's what you do. That is feed on your hate, become all powerful. Like, what are you doing, Stephanie? No, Come on, no, you, there's a way to beat it. Play the whole game, and you don't come away with any lessons, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you enjoying it thus far? Yeah, yeah, I really am. And I found it interesting because it got some some pretty mixed reviews, I think sort of mostly positive, but a lot of people felt that it was kind of unpolished and a bit buggy. I, I haven't really found that at all. I found it's a really great action adventure game. And I lo- the thing I love about Star Wars is that, I mean, I love sci-fi and I love fantasy, but I would I would hold fantasy a little bit higher. And I think as far as Star Wars goes, it's the most fantasy-esque uh, sci-fi there is out there because you're playing yeah. a knight with a saber and you're sort of running through jungles and forests with giant trees and fighting creatures and it just feels very fantastical to me so I really like that big open world environment I think that that whole um uh I don't know if you have you guys have you guys played it but that whole um mission that you do on the Wookiee planet Kashyyyk I think it's called mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just really beautiful and I just I felt so um captured by that whole experience in terms of how it transported me so I'm yeah I'm really enjoying it yeah, it was cool. The the intro to that with the the swamp and the sort of swamp adat sequence is very oh yeah, very like a, just a visual Across that I've never lake. seen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've seen swamps in Empire Strikes Back, right, with Dagobah, but never like this. It was, mm. it was like oh, this is a unmined Star Wars just sort of visual iconography that I found really interesting. And I love how it handles yeah. water and swimming in that game. So many games, like I, I make the joke, uh, I make a joke about how marriage is awesome and I love being married, but doesn't mean it's perfect. Just like uh, Zelda has a water temple, you know, like <laughs> and water in games is usually like, I love Sonic, that the sound of Sonic underwater drowning, like will stress, stresses me out. It will forever until the day I die. But I love the way yeah. Jedi Fallen Order. It's like, there's water. It's fun. It's a cool twist to what the gameplay and it's not horrible <laughs> and you know there's going to be like five chests under there so you can get a new poncho <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it's it's <laughs> most that the ultimate goal of the game is to get as many ponchos as you can i wish the ponchos were cooler the ponchos <laughs> are not cool the They're first poncho cool. i got i was like ooh, a poncho and then i'm like oh this one's a different brown oh okay I, I think the most disappointing for me was was that i i kind of created my ideal lightsaber maybe like 30 minutes into the game and every sort of um new upgrade or new um, cosmetic thing that I found for my lifesaver. I'm like, well, nothing's as good as what I already have. So. <laughs> Can't improve on perfection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. The other thing that I think is cool about the water stuff in that game is how it happens in stages. You know, like for a large part of the game, water is one thing. And then at a certain point, it's like, oh, wait, 
Now water is something more than that. Mm. And, uh, games don't usually do that that way. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, um, I want to ask you both a question. Stephanie, I'll start with you. If you're playing a game and there's water in it, do you jump or roll in it to see if your character's clothes get sweat immediately at some point oh, or never? Yes. No, absolutely. Because I think coming from a review background, you want to check all that stuff. Like, I, you know, I love to look in mirrors and see if I have a reflection. I love to walk through puddles to see if it's splashy. I like to see if it like leaves footprints in the mud, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I will, I will test everything first for sure. Yeah. It's I'm, just all about that ri- I'm all about that ripple water. I want that ripple water, mm. water that when you get into it, it, it makes like physical ripples instead of the, you know, lame, you know, stock. Animation. Yeah. Like blurry yeah. stuff. <laughs> Here's blurry. And then you really appreciate it because, you know, it was like one person's job to make that water look as real as possible. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I, and it, to to th- um, throw another, um, you know, shout out to Sea of Thieves that has probably the best water I've ever seen in any game. You spend a lot of time. I feel like every time I read the patch notes, I'm like, oh, they made the water look even more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, I feel like you got to start with that's like job A for Sea of Thieves. Like, yeah. Let's get you know? <laughs> I remember uh, Wave Race blew me away with its water og water yeah see if these yeah. oh yeah beautiful water even when it launched and then a game that i think had far better water than it needs to i realize there are other games to talk about i apologize for this tangent but uh assassin's creed odyssey i could have watched those waves crash on the shore oh yeah dude for hours oh yeah what do you mean it better than it needed to like half the game is on the water but that game is black like flag of- was incredible and its water wasn't as good you know what i mean like it could have yeah. it could have just had its water and i feel like they went above and beyond no you're right you know, I, I, I love odyssey, sea of thieves dude. I love Sea of Thieves so much that I have anxiety over Skull and Bones re- being released because I'm worried that I will like it more. And I have developed this like allegiance to Sea of Thieves that I'm like. <laughs> well, you want to hear that? Funny. Yeah. Well, well, the good news is it sounds like Skull and Bones is never being released. So, uh, oh god, it, it seems it keeps that getting way, delayed. It? That game, yeah. well, it does. Yeah, other big shakeups, right? Like their narrative. I forget. I'm going to get the terms all wrong, but like they're reshuffling and reorganizing things to give studios more independence and freedom to try to make a little more bespoke games. It seems like, um, and this is from a studio that Jeff, you and I, I think look back on kind of a little surprised, but have made some of our favorite games of the decade. Um, yeah. And so I sure. think them I mean, taking, Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, them taking big risks to, to shuffle things, especially when the division two was a, you know, MPD top 10 seller. I'm very excited for what, for what they do and beyond good and evil Two coming out uh, eventually <laughs> i'm excited for gods and monsters dude i think that game's gonna be awesome i'm bummed they got delayed <laughs> yeah yeah um anything else on your playlist stephanie or is that uh basically what you've been working on i think i'm a little bit embarrassed to say but um i just was um looking for games on my mobile to play and i just um in the process of looking for a different game i accidentally stumbled upon uh, just one of those um, sort of clash tower games, and it's it's a Star- Lego Star Wars battles or something like that. And <laughs> I'm ready to uninstall it because it's just I sit there at one o'clock in the morning while my husband is asleep next to me, and he can just hear the little Star Wars no- like noises coming. <laughs> He's like Stop playing that game, and I'm just like, but I have to go out on a win. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fun. As long as you're not, you know, as long as you're not like, honey, um, can you hand me the credit card? Because I need to get some more <laughs> space dust for my uh, Star Wars world. I think I've spent I've spent $3 on it so far and I have to cap myself. Well, that's why you're not winning, comes... you know? <laughs> I know. I know. I can, I can tell. Yeah. 
You want to go out on a win, you got to you know, pony up the cash. I'm, I'm coming up against people that have cool droids and stuff that I haven't unlocked, and I know they've they've dropped some hard cash on, on the game. <laughs> yeah. Oof. We don't know anything about that, do we, Christian? I, I know that it's time or money, and some people have a lot of both. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about um, the game that both of us, uh, both you and I, Christian, have been playing. Um Journey to the Savage Planet. Uh, this is from a new studio built out of the uh, a lot of the employees of some really big games, including some of those Calls of Duty, I believe. You mean the new Stadia oh, Studio? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, it is the new Stadia Studio. That's pretty. Uh, I forgot about that. Um, I'm playing on PC. You're playing on what? I'm playing on Xbox One. And we, of course, got review uh, codes for this game and played it before it was released. Uh, I have been very much looking forward to this game since I saw it, I think, at like last year's GDC or a year ago's GDC, maybe earlier. Um, But this is a first-person exploration game. I think it kind of has a similar feel to something like No Man's Sky, but is more crafted. It's sort of a but aesthetically we talking, bright. It's it's fun. The the animals are interesting and, and wacky. Yeah, yeah. They, they they have a feeling of almost being um, procedurally generated in the way that No Man's Sky are, where it's like you know something with like one foot and a and an eye popping off it or something. But like played but for it, a laugh. Like you know, it's yes, like they're very aware that that's a weird looking animal. Yeah, and it's very cartoony, and and the game honestly has a wonderful sense of humor. You are sent to this far off planet by a, a corporation that seems to have nefarious intentions, uh, but you're sent there um, to discover things, and stuff goes wrong, uh, and you learn all of this through a bunch of live action videos that you can watch on your ship uh, that include some commercials, like fake future commercials. Did- Again, all live action. They look like you know Saturday Night Live sketches. Normally, I'd, very very well done. Normally, I don't talk about mm-hmm. this stuff. But did you get the, the the press kit, physical press kit for this game? I did not, dude. It is so perfect for this game, and in line with these live action commercials in the game, there is a three point five. Is that the small one? Floppy disk. Yeah, uh, three and a half inch floppy. Yeah, and yeah. it says it has stuff on it. I'll never know. <laughs> you have nothing to put it in anymore. The, yeah. the the label is on top of two other labels that you best believe oh, I funny. peeled off to read like the other label. Then there's like a, an orange drink. Uh, and it's again, just their label stuck on another product that you can like go buy at the store. Like it's not, a, you know, it's pretty clever. It's so funny. It's so funny. Normally I look at, it's like, don't ship me that. I don't need but it's just going to be junk or going, you know, like save the environment, stop making this stuff. This one fit the theme of the game so incredibly well with the fourth best space travel exploration, yeah. whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I lulled real hard. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that's the sense of humor is it is very goofy uh, in a, in a very good way. And I, I really like games that are do humor well and are, are trying to be funny, but actually succeed. Uh, and this game does. I, I was smiling throughout, and it is a very cartoony aesthetic that I found visually pleasing as well. And so much of the game, I, I mean, I really, really, really like this game a lot. It is, um, it, it 
harkens back to like a Metroid Prime, you know, as we all sit around waiting for the next Metroid Prime to come out. I feel like this game scratches some of that itch. That's my biggest you knock are- against it. And I want to let you keep talking because I know you're like it and, and I'm enjoying it as well. But my biggest knock against it is that it, it makes me want Metroid Prime 4 more, if that makes sense. Like, that's my favorite franchise of all time. And this gets so close to it. I just love that Metroid yeah. Prime world. I'm just like, I just... <laughs> I don't feel like it's really trying to do exactly that. I think it carves out a little bit of its own niche. Yes. But it certainly feels similar in the sense that it's first person. It's sci-fi. You are scanning for resources around, and you're scanning for resources. You, you know, you, you take pictures of things and scan things and, and load up a database, but also, I mean, a lot of games do that now, but also you are exploring a giant area that is sectioned off into, into uh, sections that require you to upgrade certain bits of tech before you can get there in the way that, you know, a Zelda or a Metroid would force you to get the, the next big, you know, the, you can see the thing, but you can't get there because you don't have the grapple hook or whatever. It yes, is. exactly. I mean, this game literally has a grapple hook in fact. So yeah, it, it, it is that kind of thing. And then you, you know, you, you explore and you find and you get the materials and you find the blueprints and you get the thing and then you upgrade. Now you can go to the fire area. Now you go to the fire area and you get all the thing. Now you can go to the ice area. So it's very much that template, a template I love. So I'm in there and, and I found the exploration to be really, really fun. The traversal is great. You get lots of unlocks to, you know, let you jump higher and soar farther and use grappling hooks and you know, do all kinds of things and get to places that just looked like scenery before because you didn't realize you could actually get to them. And now it really, you realize, oh my gosh, that's a platforming level. And because I have the ability to do that kind of thing, uh, the enemies I found to be fun and inventive and you're constantly destroying them for resources and everything is so tactile and fun. You know, when, when something, when you blast something with your blaster, it pops into a bunch of component parts that are the raw materials you need to create other things. And then you run around and collect those things up. And it, I find all of that to be very satisfying. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I found the story to be fun in a goofy way. And the reveals in the form of those live action uh, commercials and um, communications with your, you know, uh, corporate overlords to be, worthwhile and and carrying me forward through the story but mostly i just love the fact that i was exploring this island or not really an island this planet uh and all of its various biomes through you know figuring out how to get from place to place and then you you know you unlock teleportation that lets you go quicker from place to place and you're going back to your ship and upgrading things and venturing back out with new quests i really love it it's a very satisfying gameplay loop done with a sense of humor that is super pleasing. And um, I mean, I don't think the game is going to be around for my top 10 of the year or top five of the year next year, but man, it it deserves to be played by a lot of people. I really like it. And I think it fits this time of year really well also for a lot of people. And I I believe it's coming out at like 30 or $40. I should have double checked that before I said it. Um, And it feels very manageable which I, it's, I really like. I talked about that a lot with Darksiders Genesis as well, where it's like, you know, my first play session through it, I felt like I played for a very long, a, a good amount of time, but then I also saw real progress. <laughs> you know, sometimes these games, I'll sit down for like three, four hours and walk away and be like, like Red Dead 2 is a great example. It's like, congratulations, you're 1% through the game. And I'm just like, oh, I'm never going to see the end of this game. Right. Um, but I feel like this game is giving you those power-ups at... um 
good increments. Like you're kind of always on the cusp of getting something else. Um, and I would agree with everything you said. I, I think I have a few nits that maybe rise to a little higher level than the, the way they kind of bumped you. And maybe it's how, the device I'm playing it on. I'm playing on Xbox One. And when I first played this game at E3 last year, two years ago, oh, E3 was this video game conference that used to happen that the big studios right. would go to and they'd show their games. Um, Not familiar. Yeah, if you don't know what that is. It was around the time paper was <laughs> a thing. Um, paper was a thing from trees that we used to write on with ink. I, re- I remember the days when Sony used to go to E3. <laughs> yeah, Sony was a company yeah. that used to make the PlayStation 4, if you remember what that is. Um, <laughs> um, and I remember there they pitched it as like, yes, there's combat, but a big part of the, we, we don't, we want to move on from that. Like it's about exploration and finding the world. And I found that there was still a little more combat in it than I wanted, mostly because to me, the combat didn't feel as precise as something like Control or Destiny, which I've been playing a lot of, um, or Gears 5, which is a different style. But it just felt slightly off. So there were moments of, and I think that uh, compounded with, you mentioned, you know, the enemies will respawn, which you need for kind of that gameplay, harvest the resources loop, which a lot of games have. But I think because the combat didn't quite click with me, and the enemies would respawn when I would go back Metroidvania through areas, which they do in Metroidvanias. But I felt like those felt like enough of a roadblock that um, it it raised from like a nit to like a, uh, there were a few areas of the game that I'd go back to and I wouldn't be excited to go back there. Um, and then my only other real nit with the game is I found, and this was true at E3 too, and I was hoping they changed it, but like the HUD or I guess the waypoint marker on the map, it like, points it's kind of off in a cardinal direction right and then you the way i'm trained to play as a gamer i follow it and then i get to a dead end and it's like i i, I have to be able it's it's this it's and it says you like how many meters away it's like it's 20 meters away right here in front of me so i'll spend like 20 minutes exploring a dead end only to realize to get 20 meters ahead of me i actually have to go backwards east for 100 meters then south for 80 meters, then east again, then west, then around, and then I'm there. And I find that I think it's my own fault or other games' fault, but I've been kind of programmed for a few more Hansel and Gretel uh, breadcrumbs <laughs> along the way. It's like, you're going right. the right way. You're going the right way. You're going the right way. Now we're not going to – we're going to give you a general area because here you got to figure it out for yourself. Okay, good job. Going the right way. Going the right way. Um, so I, I spend a little too much time in dead ends. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not really a waypoint so much as it's. This is where it is. Like a beacon. Yeah. Don't 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 know how it's gonna how you're gonna get there, but this is where this is the where it is. Yeah. And I feel that I I, I had that multiple times too, where I'm like, <clears throat> well, this is the direction it is, but clearly this is a cliff into nothing, so I can't go here. But I you know I I kind of dug the. I mean, part of the fun of this game for me was not necessarily always going to the next big quest location but going oh look i can actually get up there now what's up there oh always something interesting (laughs) you know there's always something interesting if you follow your curiosity in this game and that's that's a huge boon for me i i love games that reward my curiosity like that and that's one of the reasons i love designed games rather than procedurally generated games because in designed games it's almost always the case that if you can get somewhere a designer went oh well, i guess i should put something here <laughs> <laughs> you know instead of the the algorithm going well i don't know um my kids are so, the same way if there's like a purse or a backpack somewhere there's something in it you know it's like <laughs> they're gonna put something there and i like the yeah. way it, it borrows from 
I guess like now it's attributed to the Souls games. Like when you die, which are usually pretty humorous, like it's like a, a, a you you regenerate back on your ship, and then your corpse, your kind of awkwardly you know ragdoll physics displayed corpse is there. You can find it and see it and bury it. <laughs> you put up a little yeah. One of memorial the one of the conceits it. of the game is that when you teleport, every time you teleport, you're literally murdering yourself and it it reconstitutes a new version of you that's an exact <laughs> copy so you're it's, it's not that you are teleporting it's that you are dying and then being remade anew uh so that's the conceit of the game uh you know that's the technology of the future and there was at one point where i got up really 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 high on this huge spiraling mountain <clears throat> huge uh, you know amount of platforming to get up there it was uh, precarious and everything and i'm like oh i don't want to go back down that way because it was super hard i'm just gonna leap off oh look there's water down there every video game (laughs) in history has taught me water will no matter how high i jump from water will save me so i leapt and died when i landed and then when i came and then another thing this game does sort of souls like is that you can pick up all the items by going back to your corpse so i went and found my corpse and there it was half submerged in water with its legs sticking out showing me that the water I landed into was about two feet deep and just the (laughs) top half of my body as it dove in. I thought that was very clever of the game to show me face down that way. You know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that I died, you know, feet first. Um, and it was very funny And this game, you know, this game kind of gets it that way, which is great. And I should mention, uh, it has co-op, which I have not tried, but yeah, if you're interested in that, I think it's a game that could be really benefit really from that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I highly recommend it. It's journey to the savage planet. Uh, it's out on uh, PlayStation, Xbox and PC. And uh, I'm rooting for this game, man. I think it, it deserves a, a lot of people taking a look at it. It's really fun. I feels like a labor of love and um, I, I hope it does well. Journey to the savage planet. All right, Christian, what else is on your playlist? Well, one thing I want to talk about, because everybody knew I'd buy it at some point, and I finally did. <clears throat> I, I bought one of those Genesis Mini consoles. Um, mm. And uh, for the objectively best game of all time, Tetris. Um, a, objectively. Objectively, and a game that yep. uh, I know too much about. Um, but it has the first release of the Genesis Tetris that was much lost and is now available. And this thing's been out, this console's been out for a while. And I didn't need to buy it, because I already bought my Mega SG, and I bought that before this Genesis mini was announced, but the Genesis mini was made by M2 and it was incredible. And I kept not buying it. And you all knew I was going to buy it one day. And I was at target. Christian, you, you are to retro consoles as I am to VR headsets, <laughs> but my, at least mine are cheaper. That's <laughs> very true. <laughs> but very you're right. True. But now imagine when the valve index is 20 years old and I buy it when it's re-released. Oh, you're going to love it. It's going to be so great. <laughs> the Valve Index Mini? The Mini version? I mean, the Mini <laughs> VR headsets are going to be hilarious. <laughs> the Index Mini. It fits on your finger. Finally. Your hand knows it's what It's like it a sock puppet. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was at Target doing what you do at Target, buying a piece of fruit, pack of underwear, and whatever else you find <laughs> while you're at Target. And they had these on the end cap, and it was 59 bucks. Uh, so <laughs> bought one. I want to talk about Tetris on Genesis. It is not good. 
<laughs> so lost to history and should have stayed lost is what you're saying. Yeah, it's tough because I haven't played Game Boy Tetris in a very long time. And this is coming from Tetris Effect, Puyo Puyo, 99, all of the amazing versions of Tetris that are out across the world. That that game, you think it's the same game, but you don't realize how much has changed. And the thing that hit me the most about this game, two things. One, it doesn't have super rotation. And so that means when you have like the, uh, like the long, like an eye piece next to the wall, it can't turn. Whereas, of course... It, uh, so you have to go out into the middle and turn it and then shift it And then it shift over. it over, which when you have a tall build, very much changes the game. And two, according to physics, of course that's how it would work. But according to Tetris physics that we've all bought into over the last whatever it is, 15 years <laughs> since super rotation has been in it, you really take that for granted. It's like when you have a, a Tetramino against the the side, it won't turn. Man, I was I was playing poorly. Uh, Genesis Tetris also does not have a hold cue, which is where you get to save a piece for later, which if you played Tetris Effect or 99, you know how vital that is. Like if you're like me, the first eyepiece you get that immediately goes, go, goes into hold as your get out of jail card. Um, it doesn't have that. It only shows you one piece that's coming up next versus the standard, which is like three now, I think. Also, the most fascinating, the default controls on Genesis, all three buttons, or on the Genesis Mini, I should say, all three buttons, A, B, and C, rotate it, I believe it's clockwise, but rotate it the same direction. That's ridiculous. You have to go into options to change it to have clockwise, counterclockwise, and to assign hard drop, which is where you you just place it immediately, which matters when you're trying to rack up scores and time, stuff like that. Um, Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. What kind of person buys the Genesis Mini to play Tetris? The type of person who already has all the other games on their Mega SG and was looking for an excuse to buy a Genesis Mini. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That kind of person, Jeff. The kind of person who says, in what way can I rationally justify buying this console right now? That while on sale, $59 is a deal, but it's still $59 more than I need to spend for it. Hey, man. People in glass houses, you do you, you know, I'm not going to throw any stones here. Yeah. Those kinds of people. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. I love, I love Tetris and I I was very excited to play Genesis Tetris, but Tetris has become a much better game than, uh, than it was. And this is from a guy who's a preschooler took a mini Tetris arcade machine, like one of those keychain things to school as show and tell. So Hmm. that's the person who's buying the Genesis. Show and tell. This is what video games used to be when my daddy was alive <laughs> or was young. <laughs> when he was alive. Thanks, Jeff. He's, he's dead inside now. <laughs> I, I asked her, I go, were the other kids impressed? Because it looks like an arcade cabinet. And she was like, no, but my teacher thought it was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your teacher who's probably younger than you. Yeah. I remember those. My dad liked them. <laughs> yeah, our teacher. Yeah. But I thought I thought it was fascinating and interesting for this show and just the thing of um it's kind of like Halo uh remastered or like Gears of War like you take it for like this is how the game is. Yeah. And then you play yeah. it and you're like, "Oh, it's not." Like there are lots sh- of tiny decisions went into all of that. Yes. Yeah. Very smart decisions that update a classic, right? Um and it blew me away. The only other game yep. to talk about is according to uh I'm talking about my Witcher 3 play as the first time through i played blood and wine because i was one of those people who waited um two comments one i'm really appreciating base the main campaign of witcher 3 now it feels um 
a lot of the, the the campaign missions feel a little more claustrophobic, which is interesting because Blood and Wine, I felt like, kept you out in these beautiful colored vistas. And the main campaign, I feel like I'm in sewers and dark mm. caves and, and stuff like that for more of it. Also, apparently, I've played it for 35 hours already. <laughs> so you're like... Two percent done. <laughs> it's one of those games. <laughs> I feel like blood, blood and wine has a lot of those weird, like you visit a lot of farms and there's those strange plant things that are under the ground, and you just kind of go through loads and loads of those. It doesn't feel you're right as diverse and well thought out as the main campaign, but the story is still really good. Yeah, I love yeah. blood and wine, and this one, it, the the regular whatever wild hunt. I was surprised when good old games was like, congratulations, your family misses you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, that game, I think I spent 30 hours just clearing out nests, uh, you know, like, like a little thing would appear on the map, like, oh, there's a nest over here. I got to clear that out. I can't, there's no, there's no skipping. I got to clear out that nest. Yeah. And it, yeah. I, I'm curious what Cyberpunk does with this too, because this game now is so very old, but again, playing this, the OG Wild Hunt version of it. For how old the game is now, it still fascinates me where like you'll pick a contract up off the signboard, but then you'll also see the NPC like in town crying, like my sister's gone. My si-. And you're like, I picked up that. I can save this guy's day. It's <laughs> a lot of times the things are different, right? There's like the NPCs that are just kind of wandering. And then there's like the side mission that loads in a new instance. Uh, that game does a lot right. Uh, it's so massive, isn't it? <laughs> I had it into my head once that I was going to try and 100% that game, which would mean going to every single question mark that you see on the map. And then I quickly realized that it was just not possible. <laughs> I'm sure someone's done it, but it was not possible for me. Follow-up oh, question. I'm, Do you have yeah. a Witcher 3 hoodie? Uh, I have so much Witcher 3 stuff. I don't know that I have a hoodie. I have a T-shirt. I have like several medallions. You know, several I have artwork. right? I think I've seen have... you by several Geralt's over the years. I do. I have um, all of the sort of the dark horse um, figurines, which are just beautiful. So I have like a bearded Geralt and slightly younger Geralt. And then I have Yen and Triss and um, one of the, I think Eridan, I think one of the, the lead wild hunt dude who's got that scary helmet. But it's morning for you right now, right? So I think I know what you can do the rest of the day. <laughs> it's actually 3.30. So I have okay. a little bit of time left in the day. But, uh, <laughs> also, the game has good water. Good water. It is good water. Game. It's got good water. Good good sailing, good boats. Yeah. Enjoy all of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, also on my playlist <clears throat> this week, I got um, a, a tweet from um, at Through Infinity. Uh, Sean over at Through Infinity, who said, hey, some of the games you've been talking about, uh, I think you would dig this game Indivisible. You should give it a shot. And I went, okay, it's on Game Pass. Just It just came to Game Pass. This game came out like uh, end of 2019, I think October or something. We only talk about new games uh, on this show, like Tetris Genesis and Witcher 3, Jeff. Oh, sorry, 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 yeah. <laughs> so an older game then, uh, November 2019. But it just landed on Xbox Game Pass, which means it's free for me to try it. This is another 505 Studios game, the 505 publisher uh, that did um, Return of the Savage Planet. But Indivisible is a really cool game that has got its little hooks into me. I'm really digging this game. I had not heard about it at all when it came out. It is um, 
got a really cool aesthetic, a, a very anime looking cartoony art style, hand-drawn. Uh, it's got actual, actual hand-drawn animation intros that look like, you know, anime and, and you know, cartoons of, of my youth. And the story actually is pretty interesting. It does some interesting things, but man, the writing is very bad, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate because the voice acting is excellent. Uh, Matt Mercer does a voice. I think, um, uh, Laura Bailey, I think does another voice. I'm not sure. I didn't check, but it certainly sounded like her. Uh, and the, so the voice acting is stellar. The writing is really bad, but the ideas are cool. The idea is this, uh, this girl who's hanging out in this cool fantasy world goes to talk to her father and someone kills her father. The soldier dude kills her father. She's like, no, I will avenge my father. I'm going to kill you, soldier dude. And as she goes to stab soldier dude, he gets teleported into her brain. He is inside her brain. And now anytime she goes and fights something, he pops out of her brain and they work together to kill the thing. So she's literally hanging out all the time with her greatest enemy, the guy who killed her dad. It's a great premise. And you also collect other characters. It's a role-playing game kind of uh, idea where, you know, you have a, a rotating group of people, four people that can be in your party, all of them stored inside her brain. And they pop out when the fights happen. Um, so, you know, it's an old JRPG trope of, of being one character that expands into multiple characters when fights happen. But this one actually justifies it in the context of the fiction, which I appreciate. And it does it in a really clever way, but the writing is just so flimsy that it doesn't do justice to that cool concept because A, she's over her father's depth way too fast. <laughs> she's like, ha, how could you be in my brain? Okay, let's team up and have fun. And it's like, the, the guy that killed your dad, there could be all this juicy drama from that. And also just the dialogue is very, very poorly written and it's all on the nose and very, you know, whatever. Video <laughs> game writing. But it could have been really cool. Anyway, I talked a lot about that. Probably spent more time on it than I should have because what's cool about the game isn't any of that. What's cool about the game is the mechanics, which is this cool hybrid of being a side-scrolling pseudo-platformer Metroidvania-ishy kind of thing and a JRPG turn-based combat that's not really turn-based, but it's also kind of almost like a 2D fighting game. Uh, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things, but it's a really wonderful mishmash of all those things. So what happens is you are this girl with people inside her brain and you're running through this 2D platforming stuff that's all beautiful. I mean, it's all hand-drawn looking art, very cartoony, beautiful, vibrant, colorful, awesome looking, painterly. It's great. And you're platforming. You're jumping off, wall jumping, uh, sliding under things, leaping around. Uh, and you acquire weapons as you go that let you unlock certain areas and do certain things. Like she gets the first thing she gets is this axe that lets her uh, swing and latch onto the side of things. So thing uh, ledges that you previously weren't able to jump up to, you can jump up and hit your axe and stick on the side and then jump higher, sort of Ninja Gaiden style. It's really cool. And you get a bow and you get all kinds of other stuff. So you're doing that and then you encounter bad guys and then it gets into combat and combat is very traditional looking turn-based uh, where all four characters on one side of the screen, enemies on the other side of the screen, and you're taking turns fighting, but it's not strictly turn-based. It's in real time 
insofar as your characters can attack as often as their abilities proc. And each one of your characters, you have four characters in your party, and each one of your characters is mapped to a different button. So I'm playing on Xbox One. A, B, X, and Y are each a different character to attack. So I can press X multiple times and have my character who's on X attack multiple times as long as they have enough attacks. And as you level up, you get more attacks. And those then have to recharge and reproc and be ready to go. You can further affect those attacks by holding up or down on the controller as you do them. So you can do an X up attack usually is like catapulting an enemy into the air to juggle them. And a down attack changes things. And there emerges a bunch of strategies where you have, you know, you want to kind of create combos like you would in a 2d fighting game so that you can knock something into the air, attack it with a different character. So I'm going X, X, knock it in the air. So it's like X up X, Y, which is another character jumping in and doing another attack. And then there are characters that have to charge up attacks. So I'm doing down Y, down Y to charge a certain character. And then I'm doing heal on B with a character and then a big attack on Y. All of that boom, 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 happens all in real time, all really fast against the enemy. Then the enemy comes at me and I have to time my dodge or my block sort of like a Mario RPG, you know, Paper Mario RPG where you're like pseudo real-time timing in the in the context of turn-based uh, fights but it's all happening and i and i and i'm trying to get it all off and then looking at at the icons to see when my characters are ready to attack again and trying to get that all in it is a very 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 fun combat system one that is so different from anything i've ever tried before it really i think has some great ideas I dig this little game. It is super fun. The platforming stuff is sort of halfway to great. I mean, it's not, you know, it's no Ori in the Blind Forest or anything or Celeste. Most of what you're doing, it does for you. Like, you don't have to push a direction when you wall jump. You just have to push the button over and over again. But there's enough skill involved that getting to secrets in the platforming areas actually requires some skill and you have to actually get through certain areas that are hard to get through. And then the combats are really fun and really hard. And when I die, I am instantly back in the game. Instantly. Instantly back in the game. There's no load. There's no, oh, what do you want to pick up? You're just back and you get to run up and try that fight again. There are fights that I've done six, seven, eight times because I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't get it because it requires timing and coordination but because i was right back in the game i jumped right in again and tried it again i really dig this game it's called indivisible it's on xbox game pass it's also on steam i highly recommend it it's really really cool game either of you guys heard of that i haven't but i mean game pass me that i just queued it up while you were talking (laughs) yeah you should try it (laughs) you really should check it out christian i actually think you might dig this game i know you're not really into the um you know, the turn-based combat stuff, but the platforming thing I think might be up your alley and it, it it really is more like a fighting game than it even is a JRPG. In fact, if I had one gripe against the game, one big complaint other than the writing is that when you level up your characters, there really aren't any choices to make. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of a bummer to me. I like one of the things I enjoy about games like this, turn-based JRPG style games, is that when my characters level up, 
I have new gear to give them, or I'm, you know, deciding where to put points and things, or I'm, you know, make, making decisions on skills to take or whatever it is. No, you level up your character. My character's like level eight or nine right now. Um, so maybe things change in later parts of the game that I'm not aware of, but so far it, they just level up and they get more powerful and that's it. There's no choices to be made. And I, I miss that. It sounds awesome. I definitely, I mean, I don't play a lot of um, JRPG sort of style games, but you kind of made it sound like a bit like a hybrid, hybrid, hybrid rather. It sounds cool. Yeah, it, no, it really is its own beast um, because the turn-based stuff isn't really turns. It's like, it's all happening at once and you're just trying to time your attacks more like a fighting game would. Uh, but in the context of certain attacks have to proc, so you have to wait and there's cooldowns on all your characters of being able to do anything. And, it, you know, it, the game really doesn't pull punches. It's really, a, it gets kind of, as I said, I was I died several times on certain fights. It, it, it gets interesting and um, challenging. It's a lot of fun. I, I wish the game, you know, I wish it just had a, a stronger writing team or or had the courage. Maybe maybe that's not fair. I don't know if the team is to blame. But if perhaps, it, you know, it just uh, had more time or there would be more attention paid on creating more believable dialogue, I would, I think the game mm. could really shine. It'd be great. All right. Anyway, that's called Indivisible. Uh, I also uh, checked out the new update for Disco Elysium, a game I very much Why? enjoy. Why did you dive back? What did they do to that? That'd make you interested. Well, Chris, you know, they added a hardcore mode. That sounds and, like, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That definitely sounds like something I would never <laughs> touch. Um, <clears throat> No, they added ultra wide support. Me, 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 me. And which for you does that does this mean that for old folks like us, you can make the text really big? Is that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then now I don't have to wear my glasses while I'm wearing it. No, while I'm playing it. Uh, no, it is. Uh, I'm very much a, a proud owner of a ultra wide monitor. I love them. I highly recommend them. I think they are a big improvement in almost every game. And there are too few games that support ultrawide. Many, many games do, but any game that doesn't, I'm always like, I wish it supported ultrawide. Elysium, Disco Elysium is one of those games that did not support ultrawide, and I was very disappointed because it was a game I really like. They just updated the game to add ultrawide monitor support uh, and those high resolutions. And I think this is a game that in particular really benefits from that because the 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 scope of what you can see at any given time is much wider and the uh the ui which i'm gonna actually talk about a lot later in the show stay tuned for that uh, Ooh, but, what a tease uh, i know yeah. uh, <laughs> i'll talk about the ui later everybody uh the uh the ui is further sort of removed from the action which i think is really cool that it allows the the game to shine, I think even more because there's a more real estate for the UI to be unobtrusive. And, uh, man, they did a great job with the ultra wide support. Like everything looks, looks great. And, um, I'm really pleased. And it continues to be a game. I'm just so impressed by, um, and I want to finish, but I, I don't know if I ever will. It is, um, really excellent, excellent game. Disco Elysium now with ultra wide support. Also, one other thing I want to say before we leave this section, and that is that I talked last week about playing a Super Nintendo Mini with my son, and I neglected to mention at that time that the Super Nintendo Mini was gifted to me uh, a long time ago when they first came out by a listener of the show. And uh, I wanted to be sure and 
say thank you again for that. It was Justin Mitchin who sent that uh, to me back in the day, and he was so kind. He said that he heard me talking about it with his family. He has uh, children as well, and uh, I just wanted to reiterate how grateful I was. That was such a generous thing to do, and it has given delight to my my son and myself and our family, so uh, I'm eternally grateful for that. Thank you very much, Justin. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, when a co-host of this show gifted me a larger house and a Valve Index so that I could play that with my children. Um, it was very generous wow, really? of them. Stephanie, you're doing that for Christian? <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm very it, generous. Is, I'm a very generous person. This is in the Amazing. future, and it's actually a My House Mini with a Valve Index. <laughs> my House Mini. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very many. It's I already have so a My House many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. All right. Um, let me also just quickly read. Uh, we got a listener submitted a playlist, a, a review. <clears throat> We've often said that if you don't hear us talking about a game you've been playing, you like, and you want to review it, send it to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one was sent to us by Ben Miller. Ben writes, uh, Jeff Christian, an esteemed guest, wanted to write in and review a game I'm not sure you guys would play and the listeners might appreciate. And I think Ben is correct in this case. Christian, the other of us are going to play it. On Friday, the 17th of January, Bandai Namco released the latest installment in a long-running list of Dragon Ball Z games called Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. And while almost all Dragon Ball games released in the modern era of video games have been lackluster at best. Dragon Ball Fighters, the exclusion. Dragon Ball Fighters, the exclusion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kakarot has taken a new spin on the Dragon Ball games and made it far more enjoyable and interesting for the average player. Kakarot is an action RPG-style game set in the Dragon Ball Z universe. You play as several of the main characters from the critically acclaimed anime and follow the story of the original anime without most of the filler content. You can explore a semi-open world, level up, acquire new skills, learn super moves, perform side quests, collect items, cook meals, and fish, all while following the story of the anime. Combat functions like an arena brawler where you move around in 3D space while locked to your foe. You are typically engaged in combat with one to five enemies and alternate between melee attacks, ranged attacks, blocks, counters, and super moves. The game is broken up into four stages, uh, all of which will be familiar to fans of the anime. In between each saga, you can freely explore the open world in an intermission-type mode where you can do whatever you like. While the RPG elements of the game aren't its strong suit, I can highly recommend this game to anyone who wants to revisit the Dragon Ball Z story as an enjoyable game setting. Kakarot does an amazing job retelling the beloved story of Goku and his friends without having to watch 200 plus episodes of the original anime. Overall, this is not a perfect game by any means, but with all the recent delays and anticipation of 2020 games, I can safely say Dragon Ball Z Kakarot provided an enjoyable experience to start off 2020, and I can't wait to play more. Cool. So... Thank you for that, Ben. We appreciate your review. If you want to hear your review on the show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Stephanie Bendixson, thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Tell people they can keep up with you and your goings on online. Um, mostly just on my socials at the moment. Um, I have, um, an Instagram account and a Twitter account that's at hex Steph. 
And um, I have a YouTube channel as well that I've been doing some stuff on lately. Um, but yeah, most of my work right now, I write uh, game reviews for local newspapers and stuff. So unless you're nice. Australian, you probably wouldn't read them. But um, yeah, it's really fun. I just reviewed uh, Ring Fit recently, which was pretty funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we have to pause the show for a second and hear about that because I've heard amazing things about that game. Yeah, I I I, rem- I remembered it um, afterwards when I would, I'd finished talking about what I've been playing. But yeah, I reviewed Ring Fit recently, and I think because the sort of area of of fitness games, I think is really interesting and like totally can work if well designed. But um, up until this point, I don't think we've had a really great fitness game because it sounds like a cool idea. You're like, well, I hate exercising um, when I don't enjoy it, so combining it with video games is a great idea. But I think just having a virtual trainer just telling you to do squats isn't any more fun <laughs> right. than a real life trainer telling you to do squats so yeah, i yeah. think that's where a lot of um fitness games have sort of fallen down and i think the dance games are a little bit better but you know not everyone likes dancing and you know games like beat saber and stuff have like people have lost like loads amount of weight yeah. playing beat saber um which is amazing so it can be done it just needs to be well implemented so ring fit actually you know, when I saw it, the box arrived and I was like, this looks like another ridiculous gimmick. You know, I had flashbacks to that horrible Wii balance board waste of space <laughs> that sure, um, yeah, was yeah. just, you know, so heavy and awful. And this is like a, a large kind of, um, I guess like a malleable ring that has two handles on either side and you slot one of the, the switches, um, joy cons into it. And then you get another strap that goes around your thigh um, and you put the other joy con um, slots into a little pouch on that. So that way it's measuring your, um, you know, body moving up and down. So you can kind of run and jump and do all that kind of stuff. And it, and it sort of measures that for you. And the ring fit provides resistance. So you can push in and you can pull out. So that's kind of the, it's the first fitness game I think that I've encountered that, um, that, has implemented some sort of resistance element. So that was really interesting. Um, and then when you boot up the game, it's actually like an adventure RPG kind of setup where you play a character that has found a, like, you know, a, some kind of archaic ring device that, um, you know, is a, is a magical item that you can use to defeat evil in the land. And you move by running on the spot, obviously. But the game actually calibrates itself to your best effort. So someone who's super fit um, and a child playing the game, uh, it's not going to measure your strength and ability against the same standard because you kind of calibrate it to your own Hmm. um, ability at the start, which I thought was cool. Um, And then, yeah, you kind of use the ring to um, fire bursts of energy by squeezing um, squeezing it in at sort of obstacles and enemies in your path. And then you pull out to kind of suck up tokens and coins and things that you find. And then it throws you into this kind of Pokemon-style battle where you have to kind of do overhead presses and squat your way to victory (laughs) in like a (laughs) turn-based battle scenario. It's really weird, but it kind of works. And I was sweating and I was really sore the next day. And I'm actually quite impressed with it. Yeah, I, I've only heard – this is the game that when the announcement trailer came out, we snarkily commented on and we're like, here's Nintendo being weird again and uh, <laughs> here's another – yeah, like, you know, we balance board. What is this thing? And I've not heard anybody who's actually played it come away negative on it. People are like, yeah, that's actually pretty good. And I'm shocked. Yeah. I think that's great. It's really cool. And it, you do um, you do start focusing on – because the best, I think the, for people who don't enjoy exercise, the best thing you can do is find something that 
doesn't feel like exercise, yeah, right? So, right. and I found myself really focusing on the game element and wanting to kind of pull off the moves correctly so that my character, you know, got all of the tokens and gold and stuff like that. And I wasn't really thinking about the fact that I was, um, that I was working out until I had to take a break because I was just, you know, so sweaty and, and tired. It was really good. That's awesome. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys saw this. I think it was friend of the show, Patrick Kleprick, who wrote an article about the world of speed running on this game. Did you guys see either of you see that article? No. Oh, dude. It was so fascinating because, I mean, obviously speed running is a thing and we all, I, I certainly enjoy watching speedrunners do their thing with, with games. Speed running this game is a completely different beast because it actually requires a level of physical prowess that most video games don't. And so there's all these people who are trying to speed run ring fit adventure. And it, <laughs> you know, it's, it, there's running up against physical limitations of what they can actually do. It's a fascinating <laughs> read. It's a really, really interesting little mini subculture that's built up around this game. Um, but really cool. Very cool. All right. Well, Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? I will. Twitter's the best way at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. I'm not sure if I'm doing any shows in LA. My in-laws are in town, uh, so I'll probably spend time with them. But if you are on the new hotness that might not last as a hotness at all, but Byte, B-Y-T-E, the successor to Vine, six-second looping videos made by one of the co-founders of Vine. I am on there as Christian Spicer, all one word. And my aesthetic on the, my profile picture is me in like a metal glam metal band halloween costume so like long blonde hair um but it's just christian spicer all one word but my aesthetic on there is i'm just posting um cool looping uh video game pixel art mostly i have some metal gear solid one but christian said he wanted to uh post every episode of dlc six seconds at a time (laughs) Um, so we'll see you know we'll see if that comes together or not i'm not so sure i just want to have i want to have a happy place aesthetic and i want to start a social media platform knowing that 20 years from now i won't have to go delete the first thing i posted (laughs) Mm, but i I really like my aesthetic and i'm 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 not sold on the app yet but i i think i like it my first post is aladdin (laughs) wait his waiting animation throwing the apple in the air a sword in the sand there's Vega, a barrel roll, a really clean looping barrel roll that you almost can't catch the loop on. I love stuff like that. Let me just say I'm putting my mini consoles. <laughs> <laughs> just to find that mini console. To good use. Uh, but that's Christian Spicer on Byte if you want to find me there. And uh, I think that's it for this week. Jeff, what about you? All right, we'll see how many uh, – start the countdown clock of how many weeks we talk about Byte. Yeah, I don't think it even shows you how many followers <laughs> you have. I think they're, it's an interesting approach. I think they're going to start paying creators. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know if it's going to supplant TikTok, which I'm not on. But um, Yeah, you made the right choice on, the, on those two platforms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just well, hey, um, I send my kids to school with mini Tetris arcade cabinets and I podcast. Head my blogger website dot christianisold.com. Right there with you, buddy. All right. Um, my Twitter handle is at Jeff Kanata if you want to reach out to me there. You can also reach out to us here at the show by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Your feedback, your comments, your questions, anything you'd like to hit us up, that's the place. Also, if you want to hear me talk about movies and TV shows, I have another podcast called The Slash Filmcast where I do just that. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com or by searching for The Slash Filmcast anywhere you get podcasts. I also do an epic level 
Dungeons and Dragons campaign that is filmed live. It is improvised. It is filmed like a TV show. We have an animatronic mind flayer puppet that hosts it. I urge you to give it a shot. I'm so proud of this thing. I think it is great. Uh, and uh, we get such great comments from people. I just want more people to check it out. So why don't you check out The Dungeon Run? You can find it as an audio podcast anywhere you get podcasts by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can find it on YouTube. All of the episodes are there by searching for The Dungeon Run on YouTube. Or you can watch us live as we record Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right. I auditioned Let's... for that role and I got beat out by an animatronic, you're telling me. Cool. Okay. <laughs> he just had more life in his eyes, is what I want to say. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Stephanie, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Okay, this is going to sound super lame, but I have rediscovered, rediscovered the crossword, and oh. uh, it's it's something that my husband and I have just been getting into. He started, you know, we I, we play a bunch, bunch of different games in our phone, usually at night when we're watching TV. Terrible, I know. Um, but uh, I looked over one day and I was like, is that a crossword? And he was like, yeah, you know, I think it's cool. Like, word games are fun. And I was just like, all right. And, uh, you know, I was stuck for games to play and I downloaded it. And now we play them together and we sit there and we try and race each other who can finish them first. And it's just, I, you know, I want to get back into writing and write some more books soon. So, um, you know, word games and word related puzzles, I find really, it's a different way to use your mind, um, than, you know, when you're playing video games. And, uh, if you haven't played a crossword in a long time, there's great apps now that do awesome, um, crosswords and i just i'm really i'm really enjoying it <laughs> i love it I, I there's nothing lame about that in my opinion i i love crosswords my wife and i love crosswords do you do you happen to recall the exact app that you are using uh i use an android phone so i think it's literally just called crossword for android. <laughs> right. yeah mind sweeper of crossword apps <laughs> <laughs> by uh, Redstone Games, but Love yeah, it. it, it's it'll be one of the top ones of, uh, on Android. I'm not sure if it's um if it's different on on Apple, but um uh, yeah, That's it's awesome. great. You also they're also like um you kind of you will start packs of crosswords um, designed by certain people, so you start right. to get to know people's styles and the way they phrase things and the words they like and stuff. So it's I kind of I have a little bit of sadness when I'm like oh I've completed all of you know M. Uh, Michelson's crosswords and now I'm <laughs> moving on, but we had a great time and <laughs> thank you for your effort. <laughs> oh, Will Shorts, I knew it was you the whole time. <laughs> uh, awesome. That is awesome. Crosswords. Love it. You're not going to get those uh, Star Wars droids playing those crosswords. Just saying. <laughs> don't, don't even. I'm get, already getting itchy fingers now. <laughs> Christian Spicer, what about you? Uh, parting gift. I have two that I think are important but aren't, uh, aren't upbeat. And I don't want to put a... a ruin anyone's super bowl shine jeff so you can stop listening right now but i watched um killer inside the mind of aaron hernandez on netflix it's a three-parter um it's i think produced or co-produced by the people that also worked on making a murderer so it has a feel similar to that and also like an espn 30 for 30 style thing it's a little over three hours each piece is a little over an hour and um you know it's 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 made to be entertaining but also I think it's a, it feels as if it's a, a pretty in-depth and, and attempting to be honest look at um, the tragedy of Aaron Hernandez. He was a tight end for the New England Patriots. Um, 
and ruined a bunch of lives and his life also. And uh, the organization, the Patriots organization, especially what's come out after uh, since his death about Robert Kraft. Um, it's interesting and it, it's well worth the watch, but it is not, it's not a feel good movie. You don't leave it happy. It's, it's a, it's a real tragedy in, in the lives that were affected, but I, I, it seemed well made and if you're looking for something to watch on Netflix that is maybe a little more educational or eye-opening, um, I would recommend it. The second one is I've started Know My Name uh, by Chanel Miller, um, who uh, is the she, Emily Doe from the Brock Turner case. This is her memoir. She wrote it. She came out um, many years after that case and said, no, I'm not Emily Doe. I want you to know my name. And I want you to know my story. And it also is not um, upbeat, but I think it's important. At times, it is very inspiring, and I'm in awe by her and her courage and her strength. And at other times, I I want to just yell at the world because I think many of the injustices um, in how the system, to speak broadly, works, still works that way. And it is uh, immensely frustrating, but I feel personally that ignoring it and putting my head in the sand won't make it better. So I try to you know, push myself and uh, broaden my my boundaries. And that is the book I am reading right now. And I recommend you do the same if you are interested. Know my name. Uh, all right. Uh, we have a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us from Steve from New Zealand who says, uh, I have loved Christian's pop punk recommendations and would like to share one back. I would like to recommend Mum's Dollars album, Ruins, available on Spotify. In my opinion, this is the best pop punk album to ever come out of New Zealand. It's beautifully crafted, designed to be listened to in order with recurrent musical themes and a gradual build from beginning to end. It's catchy without being shallow, and it comes with the added bonus that when anyone asks what you're listening to, you can reply, it's an old punk band from New Zealand. You've probably never heard of them, which will increase your street cred. If you just wanted a taste, then the single uh, Sticks and Stones will give you a good idea whether it's your cup of tea or not. Thanks so much for all you guys do. Steve. Thank you, Steve. Nice. Yeah. That was just a coincidence, by the way. I know it's not Australia, but it's your neck of the woods. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, oh, man. I'm, I'm desperate to get back to New Zealand. Yeah? You, did, yeah, I want to live there. I, I grew up there, actually, but I want to I move back. Did you really? I thought there was – is it is it just a, a fake thing that there's a rivalry between the two, or is that real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like a sporting rivalry at best. But no, we all love we all, we love New Zealanders and, and vice versa. I've never been. I I really would love to go. I've been to Australia, but never New Zealand. I think really Brothers in Arms is on that album. Is on Ruins, I believe. That is the. Are you a fan of that band? Second single. Christian? I I don't dislike them. They're not. They were never my favorite, but I do. I think I just because they are a New Zealand band, they didn't break as big here. But they are mm-hmm. a great representation of like. Um, punk and pop punk for sure also cool. isn't it like from australia to new zealand farther than la to new york but we were like oh, you guys are so close but isn't it like still an eight-hour flight no it's a three-hour oh, never flight mind then you're so close <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's it's quicker for us to get to new zealand than it would be for me to fly to perth Whoa. across oh, wow. the country so wow. yeah perth is about five five hours crazy um, anyway, if you want to be like Steve and send us your parting gifts, please do. We love hearing them and we love talking about them on the show. You can send that to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. My parting gift, uh, I said, I teased, I teased I'd be talking about UI and Disco Elysium. Yeah. Uh, my, my parting <laughs> gift, uh, if anybody hasn't watched the Disco Elysium audio logs on YouTube, basically an interview with the lead designer and lead writer of Disco Elysium, uh, Robert Kurvitz. 
It's great. I think it's like less than 20 minutes long. Boy, it's so interesting. Just sort of a deep dive, chunky, chunky deep dive into some of the design concepts behind uh, Disco Elysium, which is a game really unlike any other game out there. So fascinating the risks that they took, just the sort of how the UI was designed. Some interesting things. I mean, it's a game that is basically a bunch of text. You're reading a lot in Disco Elysium. It's a lot of uh, good writing in that game. And they did a lot of research into how to uh, make text readable. And they basically copied Twitter, which is a really interesting revelation that he describes. And when you think about that, you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah, that's exactly how I digest the text in Disco Elysium. It's like a bunch of tweets coming through. That's just the tip of the iceberg of some of the stuff he talks about. It's it's fascinating. So even if you haven't played Disco Elysium, check out the audio logs. You can search for Disco Elysium audio logs. I think it's the first one that comes up. And uh, it probably will make you want to play the game because he's fascinating and it's a fascinating process of iteration and really trying to create something new and different and and be innovative, which is, uh, I think, the best thing you can be. So check that out. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Stephanie Bendixson and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thank you to each and every one of you who download the show and listen to us each week. Boy, we appreciate it. Uh, we will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>